0: If you're looking to hire in your small business, one mistake could be a very costly one. So it's important that you don't rush to hire just because you're hearing in the headlines that it's a candidate's market. It's much more important to spend time finding the right fit and attracting the right people.
1: Anytime you're putting out content, you want to repel anybody who is not going to do well in your organization.
0: That's my guess this week. Rick Girard, he's the founder and CEO of Stride Search, an engaged search firm, and he's passionate about helping business owners find the strongest hires to fuel their growth. And it's important to also understand, as Rick has identified, and it's important to understand that not everybody is attracted by the money. Yes, the money is important, but that may not be the deciding factor when they want to join you.
1: More so than anything else is that people make decisions based on emotion.
0: As you can hear, Rick has some great insights into the whole recruiting process, and he also shares his higher operating system methodology that makes such a difference for small business owners. All that after the break. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. If you're looking for the REI branded podcast, you are actually in the right place. We recently renamed it, but the content is the same, helping you to build your brand and business, reach more people, and stand out from the competition. My name is Paul Copkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Hey, Rick, thank you for joining us today. Gonna to kick off because in for entrepreneurs and small business owners and investors that are listening to this, what are the challenges that you notice around hiring that That occurs for that kind of group.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. I noticed that everybody's buying into, there is a shortage, but everybody's buying into the fact that there's nobody out there looking. But then at the same time, we have all kinds of movement over the past couple of years of people leaving their companies and going to another company. So who's benefiting from those companies? Well, those are the ones who are saying, hey, look at, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that that there is this huge outpouring of people changing jobs. I'm going to go find them. I think the biggest challenge is, one, it has shifted to completely a seller's market, meaning the candidates are the ones who hold all the power. And as such, they vote with their legs. So if they join your company and it's not really meeting their expectations, they turn around and walk. So there's a lot of lessons to be learned here in that, one, we kind of have to shift the way we approach how we find people. Meaning we should actually be actively going out and recruiting people for organization for our organization. And then two, we should we should be looking for people who are aligned with the values of the organization so that we ensure that when we do make a hire, that person sticks around.
0: Right. And are you saying that we have to go out and find those people because if you post a job, you're not going to get response, or you're only going to get response from the people you probably don't want anyway?
1: There may be people that you want that respond, but the truth is that most of the people that are out that are making the movements are making movements because of referrals, or they've, they're being very selective in where they, so you either need to, if you're a small company, you don't have the power of having an employer brand, which a lot of people kind of push building your employer brand. That's great. There's really easy ways to do that in a, in just getting your messaging correct but for the most part, you do need to be actively out there engaging with people and, and inviting them in to come talk to you. Like It's going back to the old school, old fashioned way of, I think, when I first started recruiting back a million years ago, which was you call people up, you have conversations with them and you invite them for coffee or you, have, you get to know them a little bit better.
0: Um, yeah, I, can, yeah, I can remember from the, the recruitment script, it was, would you... If something were available, would you be open to having a conversation or something to that effect? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, and it's okay to, some of the best CEOs that I know, what they're doing is they're building their network up and they have been building their network up and they consistently go on a weekly basis and they'll reach out to people and say, hey, look, it, I heard you're pretty good at what you do. I don't know what's going on with you in your career right now, but let's talk for the future and let's get to know each other because at some point you're going to move. And I'd like to be one the first person you're going to talk to, reach out to.
0: Yeah, we were just having that conversation before we got started around gone of the years of all the times of people doing 10, 20, 30 years service with one employer. And now it's probably averaging 24, 36 months. Would that be?
1: Sometimes it's three months. It really comes down to how well you align with people that you bring into the organization. And that's, you really have to understand who your company is and the values that your company brings forth and what you live, and then be able to broadcast that. And allow people who resonate with that to join your company. I think uh, when people leave, it's because they have different expectations of what your company is, because maybe you've sold them something different than what it is. And uh, they, they find out very quickly that, hey, look, this isn't what they sold me. What they sold me was this. But the reality is, it's, it's kind of like that bait and switch where I, check, I tricked you into joining us, telling you uh, about all these great things about our company, when in fact, it's exactly the opposite. The other thing is, I think a lot of people focus on the money, and the the truth is that money is really not that important anymore to most people. Right. Even people in our generation, I've seen a shift. They want to do more meaningful or purposeful work. They want to be able to make an impact. They want to be able to do things that that's not just going in and pushing a button. They want to they want to be able to do something more than just go in and collect a paycheck. A lot of times. That's
0: that's interesting. I, it's funny because I was just reading this morning, the NHL free agent draft is, or free agent time is on at the moment. And there was a top player out of Calgary that has decided not to stay at Calgary. So he's gone out into the market and everybody was expecting him. His hometown is in New Jersey and he's currently in Calgary. So everybody's expecting, well, either New New Jersey or New York's going to get him. And it'll be name your price kind of thing. So they were expecting he was going to get a 10 plus million a year contracts that's a huge like one of the top paid nhl players yeah and he's ended up at the columbus blue jackets in ohio and Mm. but the interesting thing was they interviewed him why he made that decision and a lot of what you've just said it was values-based decisions yeah they're a fun group the fans are really passionate about the game i've played games there and it's been the best experiences i've ever had because of the fans and so he made his decision and he took less money Yeah, It actually took about probably a million less a year. I'm seeing that happen all the time. I'm
1: seeing engineers that take jobs for less money. I'm seeing sales and marketing people that take jobs for less money because they just know that they can get more of what it is they want. I guess we really need to start thinking about compensation in three buckets as opposed to just the cash. Or the benefits, really compensation is also the people they're going to be working with, and it's also the work, the content of the work. And and that makes a huge difference as to whether or not somebody's going to be retained. And I think that's really the reason why we saw this great resignation or the great reset. Everybody stuck it out during the COVID times. And then as soon as they started to see a lot of jobs that were opening up, and then salaries going up, of course, then of course everybody jumped. And then you I've got I've seen a lot of boomeranging where people have. So, hey, I look, at I left one company that was crappy for more money at a company that's more crappy. And now I'm in a position where I'd really like to find something that aligns with my values and who I am and what's important to me.
0: Right. Now, assuming a small business owner can get clear about their values, what are the ways that you recommend they start to communicate that and then also... what do they do about going and finding those people? Where do they? So first and foremost, you really have to write them down. Your company has
1: values, whether you tend, like whether or not you want to recognize it. There's a standard set of operating procedures within your company that is based on the values of you as the leader, and it's trickled down. So write them down and put them out there. It's not enough to just say one of our values is integrity. And then not know what that means so you need to put some context behind those values as to we make decisions based on this amazon's done a very good job of that like throughout the history of amazon i think they started with their core principle was like their core leadership principle they call it one of the main ones was customer obsession and they have they have a definition behind it as to we make decisions based on whether or not this is customer obsessed or not and so Just taking that, writing it down, and then giving it to your employees, asking them how real it is, is this accurate or is it not, letting them provide some feedback into it, and then giving them that verbiage so that they can actually be empowered to make decisions based on those criteria. So you're giving somebody a North Star by which they make decisions. As opposed to just go ahead and make decisions and hopefully I like it. That's the typical modus operandi. So then, and then put them out there. It's really easy to put your values in your website, but also put them out and all the content you put out. So when you write a job description, have that as part of your job description, start developing a language in the organization about how Joe or Sally or Bill, how they lived, Value X and start bringing that into your meetings and making it a common practice so that people understand it, but also other people can recognize other people for living it. And by the way, your values don't have to be all pretty and nice words. They have to be like just true to who you are. If you are a hunter environment and it's you kill what you eat, you eat what you kill, and don't turn your back on your partner, like broadcast it. There's nothing wrong with that. There are people who do really well in those environments.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, I think because I think it goes back to what you said earlier: is you present a different story. Yeah, and then that person turns up and they go, "Well, this is not an environment. I'm a hunter. I really do not want to be in this environment because it's not. It's not a hunting environment.
1: Yeah, if you're a hunter uh, in a hunting environment and you uh, hunt, you gather, you you hire gatherers under the premise of that's what it is. And then they come in. I mean, that's where that just causes all kinds of problems in the organization. You need to attract all the other hunters and not worry about people not responding. I guess there's this mentality that we want to have a lot of responses and then we'll figure out who who actually fits here. But the truth is, man, anytime you're putting out content, you want to repel anybody who is not going to do well in your organization. You don't need to see 300 resumes to fill one. You need to see 10. You get 10 good people, great. You just saved (laughs) yourself a whole bunch of time.
0: Right. Okay. And how do you suggest an employer interviews in terms of the interview process? How do they go about identifying if that person sitting in front of them is a fit for those company values?
1: Yeah. First, you want to start with a discovery call. We all start with this phone screen, which is basically, hey, let me tell you a little bit about the company and sell you a little bit on it and then how much you're looking to make and can come interview on Thursday at three o'clock. So that's what a typical phone conversation is. But the problem is that it gives you zero insight as to who that human is and whether or not they're positioned well for your organization in the first. So what we do is we flop that phone screen into a discovery call. That's the most important piece. We had uh, had a client of ours that was, they had like 30% show up rate on interviews. Like people were set up for interviews, only 30% of them were showing up. When, once we flipped it and we started doing discovery calls first with them, what ended up happening was next thing you know, they're at like a hundred percent interview rate because the people they invited in were asking for the interview because they were in alignment with what the organization is, how a person's position is really super important whether or not somebody, you know, people will tell you in that first call exactly what it is they want. Some of them, it takes a little while to get there, but for the most part, you might be a small company and saying, asking somebody, so if you could design your next opportunity from scratch, what would that look like for you? And they might feed you back. Hey, you know what? I'm looking for a large organization where I can have a lot of resources and this, that, and the other thing. If they're telling you that's, in, that's they're giving you a huge clue as to where they're going to thrive, Right. So should you bring that person in for an interview? Absolutely not. There's no reason to. And they will gracefully bow out when you say, hey, look, it, we're a small 10 person. We're in a big trajectory to grow 20 or whatever, but here's what's going on. You're not a fit. Would you agree? And they'll, yeah, they'll say, yes, I'm not a fit. It's not where I'm looking to be.
0: And is, so is the discovery call part of your, your higher OS uh, system? Yeah, it, it is. Okay.
1: Yeah, the Hire Us methodology is basically just what we're trying to do is we're trying to empower everybody to educated evidence-based decisions throughout the whole process based on the information that's gathered in a very deliberate way that's aligning with the core values of the company. First off, I want to see if somebody's positioned well for the organization. Then I want to find out, do I have an A, B, or C player here? Is this somebody who's really good at what they do? If you're a small company, you can't really afford to hire B and C players. It, It could totally disrupt the the productivity of the organization. So you want to stack the deck with really good people. You need to, if you want to grow your organization. And so that's what it's designed to do is be able to provide a framework that essentially takes somebody from A to Z with getting them to be proactive and leading the process.
0: And uh, do you have an example of a company that has successfully implemented this and what the sort of results are that they get?
1: Yeah, it's funny because I work with a lot of smaller companies. So I don't don't have any name brand companies. I work with startups. And so I've worked with everything from like a law firm, which I just finished a project, to a fiber optic company, to a at-home healthcare company, to software companies. So I've worked with a bunch of companies in that Arena. I just finished up a project with a fiber optics company because we we actually build this into our search practice too. So when we come in, we actually set up all this process for our clients on our search practice. And so uh, we had a company called QPC, and they were having a really hard time finding a director of operations. So we helped them fill that, but then we put all that structure in place for them. And the result was, we had two candidates that were brought to the table that essentially like were position well for the organization one of them is a clear standout and that person was when we get to the offer stage which was very easy negotiation and essentially the person joined on pretty quickly and now they've taken that whole process and they've built those interview process
0: into all of their other roles that they're hiring for and you mentioned that it was a pretty easy kind of negotiation and that's yeah. because you've been stacking that fit yeah, and eliminating the people or the objections or whatever that somebody is going to not be a fit. So that yeah. fi- that final shortlist is like almost your dream candidates versus the other way around, which you might be ending up with a shortlist of good and one's, okay, I might hire them. And the third one's kind of, yeah, if I was pushed, I'd probably... <laughs> well, we
1: get in this mindset of compare and contrast, which you shouldn't, it's dangerous to do because... Sometimes you get your best candidate, like your first candidate, and there's this mentality of we should probably wait to see what else we get. And by the time you wait a week or two, that person's gone. So you end up losing your best candidate a lot of times, but everybody should be evaluated for the, exactly like how they align with the organization and the value they bring to the organization, independent of anybody else who's coming in the process. So a decision should be made on an individual basis, not a compare and contrast model, because that doesn't work. And by the way, it's dangerous too, because when you do compare and contrast mindset, well, the candidates are doing the same thing. Don't be surprised when they turn down your offer because Amazon came in with
0: $100,000 more and bought them. So yeah. When you've got the, say the founder of the company or the CEO, is, it's their values have become the company's values. Is there a risk of halo recruitment? What I used to call when I was in recruitment, you hire in, in the mold of you because you see so many positive things about somebody, but then does that do you run the risk of missing things that, that perhaps are, are the red flags, the things you should be looking at?
1: Well, I think if you drill down on values and you hire for values, it's, there's a difference between that and hiring for commonalities, which is what most people do. Or they hire like, oh, this person. I had a CEO one time want to hire somebody because the person that he had talked to for 45 minutes was a huge Oakland A's fan. And he was an Oakland A's fan. And he's like, oh, he's great. We need to hire him. I don't understand your, how you're making this, like what your basis is. And that was like a big light bulb for me that, God, you know what? People don't know how to interview I've got a CEO of a company who seriously spent 45 minutes talking to somebody about baseball and wants to make a hiring decision based on that.
0: Right. Yeah. I used to have a client that said would only interview candidates from his school, from his university.
1: Yeah. Which is dumb, which is dumb. Cause now you have that risk of now you're just hiring a bunch of people who all came out of the same common theme, which is great though. I don't mind that. Like, I love seeing that. I
0: don't recommend it to many of my clients, but like my competitors do it all day long. What about you mentioned going reaching out to people? Uh, is there any value in putting job posts on places like Indeed and play on bo- on boards, online boards like that, or is it more um, about?
1: I, I would say if you're going to put job placements out, job ads out, there's some value. You're going to get some candidate flow. Put it in a place though where your audience is. And I don't like, I know a lot of companies that are hiring engineers and technical folks. Not a lot of them are on Indeed or ZipRecruiter or any of those other places. I think your time is better spent for those types of roles going and knocking on doors, right? Finding out who knows who, working through your network of people, reaching out, just gaining introductions and having conversations, not recruiting but building relationships.
0: What about employee referral process?
1: Employee referrals are like ridiculously valuable. I highly recommend them. Like We we build it into our searches that we want to encourage people to, to refer people. And if they're not referring people to the company, then you're, you really need to ask yourself, what am I doing wrong here that I'm not getting a lot of r- employee referrals? And employee referrals don't have to be, hey, my friend Joe is looking for a job. Why don't you talk to him? They should be more like, hey, who do you know that's really good at this? And then can you make a quick introduction so he, gets to, he or she gets to know who we are? That's where the most powerful referrals come
0: in. And, and can this process work for the contractor, freelancer, who's perhaps less committed to an organization and might be more looking at the compensation? or Sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a famous like article that was written on Medium quite a few years ago. It's called "The Cult Creation" is by a guy named Steve Newcomb. I don't know if you ever read that, yeah. but he talks about renting gold over hiring silver. There's a concept of that in his business. The way he's operated is that he essentially finds the best people, and if they're contractors, or bringing them on, if they have their own companies, you hire them as a contractor or a, a business to come in and do the work, you get them integrated in the environment, and then hopefully you do a good enough job to where that person wants to work for you. And that's been his MO for a while, and he's been really successful at it. So he'll identify the the biggest the best designer in the world that lives within his area, and he'll reach out to them and hire them as a contractor to come in and handle that work and go from there.
0: What other th- things should a small business owner be looking out for when they're looking to hire?
1: First and foremost, you really need to have a strong interviewing process. And what I mean by that is it needs to be written down. It needs to be structured. So you can't, we've got an open role. Like what happens is there's a lot of thought that goes into things like, hey, building our pitch deck and how we're going to get funding and how we set up our financials, but there's no system as how we actually engage people and bring them through a hiring process. What we do is we think of the whole hiring process. Let's get many people who can in the funnel and then things will just work itself out and somebody will fall out the bottom. The problem with that is you end up losing not just the top, not just the bottom 10%, but you end up losing the top 10% of people that you need to hire. Nobody who's a high performer or an A player wants to work for a kind of willy nilly organization that doesn't look like they have their shit together. They wanna work With other winners, and they want the. I had a. I have a mentor that used to say winners or A players want to know how to win, and that you're the you're the vehicle to get them. And if you're not giving that impression by the the structure of your interview process, then they're just evaluating you on. Actually, you have to ask yourself what are they evaluating you on, the transaction, and that's really what it comes down to. So you need to be really impressive in an interview process, and structure is what gives them the impression that you are. You might have everything else tight, but if you don't have a tight interview process, you're going to lose the best
0: people. And I can remember when I was in recruitment, and I'm talking two decades ago, but we were always finding that a lot of the A players weren't looking. Nope. They were being kept happy or their heads were down and they were performing. Yep, And so they're not the people that are going to see the job ads or be hunting around on the Indeed every five minutes.
1: No, and they don't have a resume or they don't have a LinkedIn profile. Or if they have a LinkedIn profile, it's a really shitty one. So like A players are busy doing work. They're being productive in their organization. Where you have an advantage is if you tap them on the shoulder at the right timing, they do have issues, right? Like they're, they may not be happy in their current organization. They may just be starting to have conversations, but they're going to work through their network first. So if you're not... Somehow on their radar, then you know you're going to miss out for sure. More so than anything else, is that people make decisions based on emotion, and there's nothing more emotional than a 20k pay raise above like the other highest offer. So you really have to you have to do a great job. If you can't pay at the top of the payment cycle, which most startups can, you have to do a very good job of getting that person to lean in, and for them to tell you, "Hey, I want to work here, and here's why." And A players will do that all day long. They'll see the value. And they'll say, hey, look, and they're flexible. Okay, look at, I get you can't pay me what Amazon can. Here's where I see value in coming here is that I'm going to be able to do this and this. And that aligns with where I'm looking to go in my career. And that's the key to getting eight players today. Help them to dem- like, you know, demonstrate that you can provide a ton of value to them and they'll join you and they'll stick around for a very long time.
0: Hmm. Great advice. Yeah. I have a few questions that I just like to ask guests before we wrap up. Sure. What's your favorite personal brand? and why?
1: I don't necessarily know if I have a personal favorite. I follow Elon Musk and I'm a Joe Rogan fan. So Joe Rogan, just because he's bald and so much, I think. <laughs> no, but I, I don't really follow people, but yeah, I, I am fascinated by Elon Musk in, in that he's going to do whatever he wants to do and nobody's going to
0: stand in his way. and I admire the hell out of that. Yeah. And he, he's done it in very positive ways with the companies yeah. that he's built and now maybe with twitter he may not be doing it in the best, most positive way but at least he's doing it the way he wants to do it yeah exactly
1: right. yeah and, i've been watching that a little bit cuz i want to figure out like what's going to happen with twitter right <laughs>
0: yeah i'm sure all the shareholders do as well <laughs> yeah what about a favorite a business book or a podcast
1: i think my my favorite business book that i that has always been the most memorable for me was traction by Gina wickman originally cuz it changed a lot like it helped me get in the mindset of systematizing everything and and getting things to a point where like, um, accountabilities are built in and it made my life so much easier. I wish I would have gotten it or read in it, read it. Like when I was in my twenties or something, I probably wouldn't have as much hair as you do podcasts. You know, I I listen to my podcast a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Usually when I have to edit it, but I, I listen to some Joe Rogan podcasts. I don't have a whole lot of time. I'm actually more of a reader than I am a, uh, a podcast listener. But yeah, I know I mentioned Joe Rogan earlier. I just, uh, I resonate well with people who are seekers of the truth, whatever it might be for them. You know, he might be wildly unpopular with some people, but very popular with others. And here's the thing he doesn't give a
0: shit. So right. <laughs> I like that. He certainly doesn't fall in the middle. That's for sure. So
1: does he? I don't know. I mean, if you ask both ends, they both think he's on the other end. I guess that would be middle.
0: Right. True. I might, you might be right. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know Um, personally. Do you have a a tool or resource that you're enjoying using at the moment?
1: I don't know if I enjoy using tools or resources, but yeah, you know what? I'm actually building one right now for the interview process. It's called InterTrue. And so I've been, we're like in beta for that right now. We're So I actually use, as we're doing the development, I'm using it quite a bit with my clients. And so I'm enjoying that because it's fun. So if anybody's interested in really getting their interview process tight, that's what we, that's what we're building right now.
0: Right. Cool. And do you have a favorite, yeah. do you have a favorite quote? I have two. So
1: first one's Yoda. Do or do not, there is no try. And then actually Benjamin Franklin quote, which is if you fail to plan, you should plan to fail. I like and both of, yeah. both of them are really like, very, they've held true. Like every time I don't plan something or I, like, I don't take the time to put something in place, it always unravels.
0: And then I end up pulling out more hair. <laughs> you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I, if I, I could look back and I think, was that a good day or a bad day? And if it's a bad day, I can put it back to that was not a planned day. Yeah, that was me winging it. <laughs> exactly.
1: Which is a certain amount of winging you could do. I mean, you have to do, but if you're doing it under an actual premise or a plan or something like that, then it always has a better outcome for
0: me. And I guess that goes back to the recruitment. And hiring doesn't it? If you've got a goal yeah. and an end in mind and having a plan, even if things drag you off track, you can that values thing is going to pull you back in. Yeah, each, each and every time. Right? I found that, that you know people are really resistant
1: to structure for some reason, but we actually operate much better under structure. So why not have everything structured? Look at McDonald's and how they basically operationalize the whole thing from how you put the fries in the basket to how you take out the trash. There's a standard set of operating procedures that everybody does. And it's consistent throughout every organization.
0: Yeah.
1: So why wouldn't you do that for every aspect of your organization? I get pushback from a lot of entrepreneurs, especially startup entrepreneurs, because they're like, look, you don't understand. We have to wing it because we don't know. I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) You don't. You can still have structure in place. And as a matter of fact, that structure is only going to help you. Right. Yeah. I think Maybe we're
0: just inherently lazy and don't want to put it in place. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. How can people get hold of you, find out more about what you do and uh, the services that you offer?
1: Oh, well, thank you. So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. It's Rick Girard. I also have a podcast as well. It's called Higher Power Radio. It's H-I-R-E Power Radio. It's not a religious show. It's a show about hiring, obviously. We like to bring on entrepreneurs and we talk about some of the challenges they had and how they figured out how to fix them. And we do it in a discussion format with actionable takeaways, so that you, the listener, can plug that into your business. And uh, I also have a book, which is called Healing Career Wounds. I know I mentioned Gino Wickman earlier, the author of Traction, but he actually wrote the foreword of the book. And the book is actually a plug-and-play system for your interview process, so that you can actually just plug it into your business. Starts with core values, builds it through every stage of the interview process
0: and how to run it and is that a basis for the app that you're developing or the software
1: yeah we've had yeah i've had a lot of yeah out of necessity because i've been building it like for each individual client through google docs and i'm like it's just so much easier if we could actually just put in a, a SaaS platform that everybody can run their whole process through nice and so that's what yeah that was the motivation behind building that make it easier right. for
0: everybody. Make sure those those links and everything are in, in the show notes. And thank you for sharing your expertise and insights today and have yourself a brandtastic day. Thank you so much, Paul. It was great to meet you. Yeah.